Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We're here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. This is the program. It's in its 20th year, and it's always about showing you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions, and I always bring on the best of the best experts, and today is no exception. My guest is Dr. Neil Barnard, MD, FACC, who's a faculty member of the George Washington University School of Medicine and president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. His groundbreaking research has revolutionized the approach to type 2 diabetes, chronic weight problems, menstrual symptoms, and other common conditions. Dr. Barnard is the chief editor or editor-in-chief of the Nutrition Guide for Clinicians, a nutrition textbook given to all second-year medical students in the U.S. He is also the New York Times bestselling author of Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reducing diabetes, 21-day weight loss, Kickstart, and the Vegan uh, Starter Kit. And his brand new book is Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Welcome, Dr. Barnard. Well, thank you. It's great to be talking with you. Okay. So let me ask you a question here about women. And I know this book is for for both genders, all genders. We hear that about 80% of women encounter health issues at menopause. What are the problems, and are they really that common? Well, they certainly can be, and probably the number one issue is hot flashes. So many women, they're, you're 50, 52 years old, you're in great health, and all of a sudden you're sitting in a board of directors meeting, and it feels like it's 150 degrees, and you're breaking into a sweat, and, and you're turning red like a strawberry, and you're wondering what's going on. And this is just what we call a vasomotor symptom. And it means that at menopause, your hormones are going on a bit of a roller coaster. And the problem is that if this happens four or five, six times a day, and if it happens at night, it's not a trivial issue. You feel terrible and it disrupts mm. your sleep and quality of life just goes, you know, goes down. And, and then you go see the doctor who says, well, this will go away in maybe six or eight years. And you think, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, doctors then prescribe treatments that are sometimes kind of risky. So anyway, that's the issue that we're struggling with here. And luckily, food comes in as a a bit of a solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, a lot of us think, oh, is it, can food do that much? You know, can it make that much of a difference? But your studies show that absolutely can, that that a powerful new diet approach can reduce moderate to severe hot flashes more than 80%. So what, what yes, do we um, need to know? Okay, this, the, the, the medical approach to it has completely ignored food. Um, right. Doctors thought, well, there's something wrong with you. Your body isn't making estrogen anymore, so I'll give it to you in a pill and take this prescription down to the pharmacy and they'll give you the pills. And so when you pick up your, your estrogen pills, there's a little insert that's in the bag and you read it and it says this can increase your risk of cancer and increase your risk of heart problems and dementia and stroke and blood blood clots. And you think, do I really want to take this? And if you call your doctor, your doctor will say, well, I I, I forgot to tell you, um, you can't really take it too long. After a few years, we're going to have to stop it again and then your hot flashes will probably come back. So it's all been really neglected. 
But back in the 1980s, researchers went in a different direction. And interviewing women in Japan and comparing them to women in North America, they found something really striking. North American women had a lot of hot flashes. Japanese women didn't. There were maybe 15% of women in Japan had them. When they had them, they were really mild. So then that raised the question of why? And there were two suspects. One was the overall diet was healthier. It was not a hamburger diet. It was a rice diet, really. Lots of rice, lots of vegetables, not much meat, no cheese, really. Um, And the second possibility was soybeans. Soy products contain Mm -hmm. isoflavones, which are cancer preventers. And the question was, maybe they can also knock out hot flashes, too. Um, So researchers put all this to work. And to make a very long story short, our research team decided to do this in a better way. We brought in a group of women. They all had bad hot flashes. Half of them went on a diet that was completely plant-based, not just kind of plant-based, totally vegan, Mm -hmm. very low in fat, and everybody got soybeans that they could consume every day. Just cook them up in a pressure cooker and have some every day, serving every day. And that is where night just turned into day. For so many of these mm-hmm. women, 84% reduction in the moderate to severe hot flashes. Women said mm-hmm. that they can finally sleep at night. And all the side effects mm-hmm. were good ones. The average it, woman lost about eight pounds. So it was right. a great solution. So I, I guess my question is someone listening to this saying, that sounds great, except that I don't want to be vegan. I like my, my cheese, my meat, whatever it is. You know, that seems like deprivation to them. What do you say to that person? Yeah, I I think that's a a pretty common thing for people to feel. And yet at the same time, they often have a lot of health uh, goals that they would like to meet. So what we do is we say, let's not think now about what we're going to do over the long run. Let's just think short term. So the way we introduce it is we say, okay, take seven days. And by the way, we do this with all kinds of of conditions. Take seven days and take a piece of paper. And during the next seven days, just write down meal ideas that you would eat if you were avoiding animal products. Come up with a breakfast and a lunch and a dinner and and take your time. And the patient comes back seven days later and they say, actually, I got a pretty good list. For breakfast, I could have um, oatmeal with cinnamon and raisins or I could have my cornflakes with almond milk instead of cow's milk. Or I saw that there was sausage at the store that was advertised as vegan sausage and I tried it. It was Mm -hmm. pretty good. So they, they make their list. They come back. And then we say, okay. Now let's just try it out for three weeks. Let's actually go vegan, but only 21 days. Patient says, all right, I can do that. They do that and they come back every, every week and you just talk through the issues. And what they discover is physically their bodies are transforming. They're losing weight without trying. If they got diabetes, their blood sugars are coming down and they start to notice, wait a minute, my hot flashes are going away. And then, but the other piece of it, is exactly what you said, is that that kind of concern about, you know, won't I miss cheese and meat? They find they just didn't really think about that too much. And they're discovering foods that they prefer. So you just kind of let the person make this transition in their own life, and then they can decide. They can decide, do I like this or do I not like it? And what we find is that for our patients and our research participants, it turns out to be the most life-changing event that they have had. Amazing. So what I'm hearing you say is don't look at the whole picture because it's overwhelming, right? You can't can't say that to somebody. Well, you can no longer have 
any of the things that you've been eating for all these years. You tell them to just do it slowly and in increments. And when they see the change, it's like cognitive behavioral therapy, right? When they actually see it, then they're more willing to keep going. Yes, and also the changes are much smaller than you'd think. Um, It's not like quitting smoking. If you're going to quit smoking, I mean, there is no replacement for smoking, really. I mean, a cigarette is a cigarette, mm. and you can chew gum or vape or whatever. It's, it's just not the same. Um, but if a person is at Taco Bell, and you say, well, now you're going to make the vegan selection, they say, well, okay, I don't have the meat taco. I have the bean burrito. Hold the cheese. That's it. Very simple. Um, we go to a sushi bar. Instead of fish sushi, you have the cucumber roll. You go to a, an Italian restaurant. Right. Don't put the ground right. beef Got sauce it. on my spaghetti. Put the spicy tomato sauce on. So the changes are, are really small. And what almost always happens is people come to prefer it. Um, that's what happened to me. I grew up in North Dakota, and my extended family was in the cattle business for many generations, and I thought a life with roast beef. You know, I mean, there wasn't any such thing. But um, I made this transition a number of years ago, and um, it's, 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 it's as empowering as, as, as quitting smoking or anything else. It just, it just feels good, and you feel, you feel very good um, as you do it, and the payoff is enormous. Well, isn't there also studies, I remember Dan Butner, you know, at the National Geographic Explorer, who went around the world in five, five, five healthiest places on the planet, and these people ate a plant-based diet. That was the longevity. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, that, that work was amazing. The, the reason they called them the blue zones is that they took right. a map, and they, mark, they marked in blue the places where people tended to live beyond 100. And... Um, what they had in common was their diets were more plant-based. And one of those areas is actually in the United States. It's in Loma Linda, California. And the only reason that Loma Linda is different from, say, San Francisco or Los Angeles or Sacramento is that it is the home to lots and lots of people who happen to be Seventh-day Adventists, just Mm -hmm. many, many of them. And the church says you got to be healthy, and part of that is a healthy diet. So you got more vegetarians and vegans per square inch in Loma Linda than you got anywhere else. But the, the, the amazing thing with that population is that they're all health conscious. Even the meat eaters don't eat very much meat, and they're all pretty much non-smokers. But mm-hmm. the vegans, the people who avoid animal products, within that health-conscious, teetotaling, non-smoking population, the vegans are the healthiest, skinniest, we might much less likely to have diabetes compared to even the sort of moderate meat eaters. So, so yes, uh, exactly what you said is right. A, a more, mostly plant-based diet is good, and, and the closer you get to dumping it completely, the better off you are. And how do you answer those people that are still going to give you the same age-old argument? What about protein? How am I getting protein if I'm not eating, if I'm doing vegan? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me be, be clear that these are all good questions. Um, people who have sorted this out on their own, they don't need me. Um, our, <laughs> our medical center, the Barnard Medical Center here in Washington and our websites are all designed for people who have these really good questions. Now, that doesn't mean that they're hard questions. They're easy questions. Um, but protein is one because people kind of learn this sort of 1950s idea that meat's got protein and vegetables have vitamins and, and calories are in potatoes. And so if you're not having meat, th- there can't be any protein. But if you send vegetables and grains and beans to a laboratory, they will tell you there's actually a lot of protein in the plant foods, more than you need, um, and which is why bulls and stallions and gorillas and giraffes and elephants are huge. I mean, they, they're all vegan, 
and they're, they got plenty of protein. And then the green leafy vegetables have, that's a nature source of calcium. So it's nutritionally a great diet. But I do have one uh, uh, recommendation that everyone should, should be taking vitamin B12. Just take it as a supplement. That's, people run low in B12. Um, and it's really essential that people be supplementing with vitamin B12 because you need it for healthy blood and healthy nerves. Very important. What about, um, and and people ask, uh, what about thyroid problems? That seems to be a real problem, you know, an autoimmune. Explain that and how this, all of this ties in. Yeah, it's it's a problem because it's widespread and it's a bit of a mystery to an individual. You, You get out of bed. And you say, I just don't feel so good. I'm kind of sluggish. And you, you, you walk into the bathroom and you look in the mirror and you say, I don't look good. My hair doesn't look good. My skin doesn't look healthy. You stand on the scale. And, oh, I know I gained another pound. And so you go to the doctor and you say, I know these symptoms are kind of like all over the place, but I don't know what's wrong with me. Your doctor says, these might be kind of vague symptoms to you, but I want to check your thyroid. Because your thyroid gland is at the base of your neck. It makes thyroid hormone. It goes to all the cells of your body. If it is not functioning, you've got no energy. You're going to gain weight a little bit. Your skin and your hair don't look healthy. It's these very common symptoms that people have. And your, your blood test comes back and the doctor says, I knew it. You're low in thyroid. Okay, now you're at a decision point. Do you get a prescription? for thyroid medication, or we do, or do we do look in another direction? And as a doctor, I have to say that there is a time for thyroid supplementation, for sure, but you must look at the food side of it too, because there are two big ways where foods can, can really create havoc for the, the thyroid. One is if you don't have iodine in your diet, you're going to be low in thyroid. The other is the one that you mentioned, and I think is the biggie, and that's autoimmune conditions. Your body is for some reason reacting to something so that it's making antibodies that are attacking your thyroid and they're shutting it down. They're stopping from working. And that something could be a food that you're reacting to just like it was a a virus or something like that. You're making antibodies to it. And so what we found is that when people get away from, in this case, particularly dairy and also meat products, that for some of them, their thyroid conditions improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, I, I keep thinking about the book that you wrote a few years ago that I interviewed you on um, called um, The Cheese Trap, where you really talked about the issue with people who eat cheese, not just dairy, but cheese, how high in saturated fat it is and how difficult it was for people to give that up more than more than candy and sugar. So um, I tie that in as well, Dr. Barnard, if you would. Yeah, um, if, if the foods that we're eating are so bad for us, um, why do we keep eating them? I guess is, is the question, well, there's kind of a reason for it. Um, let's say you say to a person, well, get away from cheese. It's really bad for you. Uh, and, and you can, I mean, it is. It's 70% fat. Most of that fat is in the saturated fat form, which is the one that clogs your arteries, leads to, to um, heart disease and also to dementia. Um, and it's got cholesterol, it's got more sodium than potato chips. It's really an unhealthy food. If it was any worse, it would be Vaseline. But the question is, mm. why do people have difficulty break, breaking up with those habits? And the answer is in the food itself. Um, cheese has very mild 
opiates in it that come from the cow. They're, they're built into the, the mm. cow's protein. So people are, they don't know it, but they're hooked on these opiates in the cheese. They're, they're in any kind of milk product, but they're concentrated in the cheese. So we think, mm. you know, I, I, if I told you that a strawberry was making it sick, you'd, you'd, say, you'd say, well, I'm not going to eat any of it um, because it's not addictive. Right. But if I say right. cheese is causing your problem, then you've got issues. Luckily, the world right. has made healthier cheeses. I'm talking about uh, vegan cheeses that are now all over the place. And mm-hmm. people have found ways to make yes. a sandwich out of hummus instead yeah. of grilled cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back and talk a little bit more about the thyroid issues, you know, really with this new science of food and hormones and health, what we need to know. And when you say thyroid, I mean, it could be low thyroid, high thyroid, and sometimes autoimmune can cause skin issues, right? Psoriasis, it can cause vitiligo, right. it can cause. So talk about that and, and where we are there. Okay. Um, what you said is exactly spot on. You can be low in thyroid, you can be high in thyroid. And worldwide, the big issue is, is, is surprising. It's people are just low in iodine. Now, in the United States, that was not a big issue because in 1924, the Morton Salt Company started marketing these little blue canisters of salt with a little girl having an umbrella on the, on the label. It was iodized salt. So everybody had the iodine that the thyroid needs to make thyroid hormone. So how could you ever go wrong? Well, in 2021, your average person says, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have so much salt in my diet because it raises blood pressure. True enough. Or if I have salt, maybe I'll get uh, sea salt or Himalayan salt, which isn't iodized. And suddenly you've got a whole population that's not getting their usual source of iodine. Now, if you were in Tokyo, that would never happen because... Before you had dinner, you had a seaweed salad, or seaweed was in the soup that you ate. Seaweed is loaded with iodine. It's nature's favorite mm-hmm. source of it. And so they, they tend to be pretty high in iodine, actually. Um, but if you're like me and you grew up in North Dakota, seaweed was the last thing you ever put on your plate. Right. Um, or if now, you could course, find lot, it, right? A lot of people are eating If you could find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, I, would, you wouldn't have a clue what to do with it. Um, so yeah. if, if you happen to like seaweed, you know, that's great. If, if you are low in, in iodine and low in thyroid or you're unsure, um, every health food store, every drug store does sell supplements that you can take. The only thing I suggest is talk to your doctor to let your doctor know you're doing it because it's not good to get too little iodine. It's also not good to get too much. The amount you need is 150 micrograms per day. That's it. You don't want to go much higher than that. So that, that's the, the really kind of issue number one. But issue number two is the biggie, and that's this autoimmune problem. And researchers, let's go back to Loma Linda, uh, California, for a minute, health-conscious population. But a researcher named Serena Tonstadt started looking at thyroid issues in these populations. And she found that there was a funny pattern. And that was the people who had the least risk of hypothyroidism were the people who avoided animal products, uh, people following a vegan diet. And the people who did the worst, who had the most hypothyroidism, was actually not meat eaters. It was actually ovo-lacto-vegetarians, people who didn't Mm. eat meat, but they made up for it with cheese. They were eating and having a lot of milk and so forth. And the question was, is that causing this antibody reaction? 
And then they looked at hyperthyroidism, same pattern. Vegans had the, the least problems. People now who did the worst are people who ate uh, dairy and meat. They had a lot more hyperthyroidism than the other people. So what we think is happening is your body's, you're taking in these proteins from animal products. Your immune system reacts to them as if they are foreign. It makes antibodies to them, and the antibodies end up hurting the thyroid gland. Um, I caution people to not cancel their doctor's appointment. Um, these are serious issues. Do talk to your doctor's, doctor and get your doctor's advice and take that advice. Um, but along the, the way, why not follow a healthy diet? Because when people do, in some cases, we've seen people not need thyroid supplementation anymore. In others, their thyroids return to normal. But what we do not have in this case is we don't have yet a randomized clinical trial taking hypothyroid people, yeah. putting them on a vegan diet yeah. and seeing how many of them no longer need their supplements. We don't have that. We don't have those data now. Well, the comments that I've heard, and I've, I've heard this from alternative practitioners in terms of taking thyroid supplementation, the argument I've heard, and I love your comment, is that when you take thyroid supplementation, then you're limiting your own thyroid working. So your thyroid stops working. And I'm not sure that's true, is it? No, no, no. Um, there are lots of people who have been on thyroid supplementation for a long period of time, and when they change their diet, they are, in some cases, able to come off their supplementation. So, and if you need it, you do need it. I, I don't want people to feel like they've got to be heroic and just not say, not take a supplement that their body is going to need. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's the same thing as, as, say, insulin. If you have diabetes and you're not producing insulin, it's type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. you don't have any choice. You've got right. to administer insulin right. externally. Now, right. with diabetes, there's an enormous role for food, both for type 2 and for type 1. Um, but if you don't have the hormone, you, you're going to need to take it. Okay. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking to Dr. Neil Barnard about his new book, Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. He's the New York Times bestselling author of several books, and uh, one of them is Dr. Neil Barnard's program for re- reversing diabetes, the 21-day weight loss kickstart, and most recently, the Vegan Starter Kit. And so he's talking about a revolutionized approach to type 2 diabetes, chronic weight problems, men- menstrual symptoms, and other common conditions. When we come back in our next segment, we'll talk to Dr. Barnard not only about diabetes and about autoimmune issues and thyroid issues, but what can you do about them in terms of the food choices and recipes? And his book has a whole section of just recipes. So we'll take a look at all of that right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. 
Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest is Dr. Neil Barnard. MD. He is president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, an adjunct professor at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and a fellow of the American College of Cardiology. In 2016, he founded Barnard Medical Center in Washington, D.C. to create a new model that integrates nutrition into conventional medical care. His federally funded diabetes research revolutionized the nutritional approach to type 2 diabetes, and he's written 20 books on nutrition and health. And really, if you have diabetes, too, or you know someone in your family who does, please look up Dr. Barnard's work. Welcome back, Dr. Barnard. Well, thank you. Let's talk about, really, particularly for people with type 2 diabetes, or, you know, maybe at risk for that, because uh, I think that's, you know, such a large, a good part. And maybe you can tell me, what is the part population of people who have diabetes? How high is it? Do you know? It's been growing. Well, it's been growing enormously. We're now tipping about 13% of the adult population in the U.S. has, has uh-huh. diabetes. We never had numbers like this, but we've got, we've got them now. Um, the good news is that, let's say, if, if you look at people who follow a healthy diet, vegan diet, that number is maybe 2.9%. It's just really rare. Um, and that gives us also a solution for people who've got it. People come into our clinic all the time. They say, I've got type 2 diabetes. I need to lose about 80 pounds. My cholesterol's up. My blood pressure's up. I'm on a, a whole sack full of pills. I want to get better. And that's where we start looking at their diet. And the, the most important thing is for them to understand what actually caused the, the type 2 diabetes. And if you don't mind, let me, I'd love to just walk you through that, Patricia, because it's kind of a real revelation for people. Okay. Please. Okay. All right. So here, here's... People with diabetes imagine that they got it because they were eating sugar or they were eating bread that digests to release sugar or something like that. And it's understandable they would think that because if you're eating sugar, your blood sugar will rise. 
that wasn't the cause. Normally, mm-hmm. your body can take sugar from foods, and that sugar is actually your fuel. It's like gasoline in your car. Sugar from foods, from carbohydrates, powers your muscles. It powers your brain. It powers your liver. It powers your general biochemistry. So what's wrong? What's wrong is this. If you look using some high-tech scanners that are called magnetic resonance spectroscopy, we found the answer. You can take a person who's got type 2 diabetes, you put them in the scanner, and you zero in on their muscle cells. Muscles, by mm-hmm. muscles, because muscles are powered by sugar. Normally, your muscles pull the sugar out of your blood. They're not doing that. They're not working. Why not? We look inside the muscles, and we see the culprit, and the culprit is microscopic fat particles that are building up Mm. inside their muscle cells and keeping the sugar out. Where did the fat come from? Some of it came from the mayonnaise on a ham sandwich. Some of it came from the cheese. Some of it came from greasy fried foods. The fat that they ate ended up getting stored inside their individual muscle cells, and now their insulin can't work anymore. And the same Mm. thing happens in their liver. When we look inside their livers, we see they're all filled with fat. So what do we do? We put them on a diet change, and then you can scan them again. And what you discover is that the fat starts to dissipate. The fat inside their muscles starts to go away. The fat inside their liver starts to go away. And then they say, this is the most amazing thing. My blood sugars are going down and down and down because now the sugar can get into the cells where it couldn't go before. And in, in some cases, the people don't need any medicines anymore. Or, in fact, their type 2 diabetes even remits completely. So it's an astounding thing to see. So the answer is not to avoid carbohydrates. The answer is to get away from all these fatty foods that many people have been eating for their whole lives. What's most concerning to me is that when we use this kind of scanning in high school students, I'm talking somebody 16, 18 years of age, you can look inside their bodies and you see the fat buildup inside their muscle cells, inside their liver cells, mm-hmm. meaning their insulin is not working anymore. They're going to end up with diabetes, not next year, not the year after that. But 15 years later, 20 years later, they're going to have diabetes. They're going to talk to their doctor. They're gonna, their, their spouse or friend will say, well, stop eating sugar. Don't eat so much bread. That has nothing to do with it. What this all has to do with getting the fat out of the cells, out of the muscle and liver cells. And when we do that, then we've got power against type 2 diabetes that we didn't Mm -hmm. have before. So really, the food is playing a tremendous role. And would you suggest not only uh, working with your book, but what other things would you suggest? And, and maybe let's take a look at some recipes as we're looking at things you suggest. You know, st- let's yep. talk about a recipe that's really easy that people will listen to and say, oh, I can do that. Okay. Um, and, and let me guide people to a couple of resources. Um, one you, you've mentioned, my book, Your Body in Balance. That has a whole diabetes chapter, it has a menopause chapter, it has a thyroid chapter, so that it can be an owner's manual to get your hormones back in balance. That's why I called it Your Body in Balance. Um, Let me mention another resource. If you go to a a website that's free and non-commercial, it's called foodinstructions.org. That's it. What you'll see is a whole bunch of of really short little videos, couple-minute videos, on everything I just told you about diabetes and how to make an easy diet change. They're really engaging, simple. A high school student can understand them, and they're absolutely life-changing. So that's foodinstructions.org. 
finally, at our website, PCRM.org, stands for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org, um, you'll see lots and lots of information about diabetes, about menopause, about thyroid, and probably a thousand recipes. But you asked me about a recipe. Can I tell you about one that I just absolutely adore? Yes, please. Let me, tell you, let me tell you about one. And this comes from Your Body in Balance. And the person that I need to thank for it is Lindsay S. Nixon. Lindsay Nixon is the greatest recipe developer in civilization, if you ask me. And she did all the recipes for Your Body in Balance. And what we wanted to do is we wanted recipes that would get our hormones in balance, but that would be familiar and, and seem familiar and tasty, be tasty, be easy to make. And probably my favorite one, she's got all kinds of things. She's got chocolate cupcakes and all kinds of stuff, pizzas and wraps. But there's one I really like. It's called an autumn chowder. And the reason I like it, it's simple vegetable ingredients. Um, But if you make up a big batch and you have it tonight for dinner, it's really good. But then you leave, you hopefully made an extra batch so there's some in your fridge. The next night you take it out and you make yourself a serving, you zap in the microwave, and what you discover is that kind of while you were sleeping, <laughs> this, this chowder was kind of maturing and the flavors mm. and the spices are kind of coming out a little more. I don't know if you've ever had a recipe like that where mm. it's a little bit better the next day and the day after that as, as the spices kind of mature. So, but you'll see it. It's called the autumn chowder. But apart from and that, what's it doesn't in it? have what's to in be it? magic. What, what's in it? Um, tell us some of the ingredients. There's a whole, whole variety. Well, to tell you the truth, let me mention just some kind of basic principles. Whether it's the chowder or anything else, um, people often have vegetables as their afterthought. Put vegetables on right. your list first. So I like to cut up sweet potatoes or any kind of orange vegetable, sweet, sweet potatoes, carrots, and secondly, a green vegetable, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, chowder, uh, chard, kale, collards, whatever it is. Green vegetables plus orange vegetables gives you a wide variety of all the really great nutrients and vitamins and antioxidants that your body needs. And then, of course, you also want to have some beans and some, uh, but when I say beans, that can be black beans, pinto beans, chickpeas, and the whole yeah. nine yards. I found it. So, I found it here. Uh, I found it. There you it's go. Um, you got it. Vegetable broth, it. onion, Good. white mushrooms, sage, dried thyme, soy milk or almond milk, yeast, soy sauce, and kale. It yep. seems pretty easy. Super, super, super easy. Super easy. And then have it with the vegetables and the beans and things like that. Either have it as your beginning part of your meal or have it as the meal. Um, when you go out to eat, though, two magic words. Think international. What do I mean? Mm-hmm. You go to an Italian place and you say, well, I want something that doesn't have meat or cheese in it. The chef will say, easiest thing in the world. I've got 35 things like that. Have your angel hair pasta with the marinara sauce on it, or if you like it spicy, mm-hmm. they'll call it the arrabbiata sauce. That's Italian for angry, and it means, it just means spicy, uh, but it's mm-hmm. vegan. Um, or have the, the pasta e fagioli, which is pasta beans. It's a traditional soup. It's, it's been in, in Italy for, I don't know how many centuries, because it's really cheap and easy. It's beans and, and pasta. Um, or you go to a Chinese place, instead of the chicken wings or something or pork, have the vegetable dishes, the tofu dishes, the rice dishes. There are probably three dozen of them at every Chinese restaurant you ever went to. We talked about sushi bars, where they'll give you asparagus roll, cucumber roll, sweet potato roll, miso soup, uh, seaweed salads, delicious foods. 
or Mexican? Absolutely. Have the bean burrito. Uh, hold the cheese. If you want jalapeno peppers in there to zip it up, you can do that. Um, plus, they have beans and rice and veggie fajitas. But if you think international, you'll find so many things from a Mexican restaurant, Italian restaurant, Chinese restaurant, whatever, um, that you might not have thought of. Or, let's say, you have friends who get together and have the number one food in America, pizza, have your half the pizza made without the cheese. Um, have extra mm-hmm. veggies, extra sauce, um, and it's just as delicious, but it's a slimming pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it's, makes such a, such a difference here. Um, let's talk about the environment, because that's something that's a little bit harder, is the environmental chemicals that can get in the way. Yes, you said it, and um, uh, the environment is it's a bit of a two-way street. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Fargo, we were not aware of it, but the cows we were raising and eating were deteriorating the environment. They belch methane. And methane is unfortunately a greenhouse chemical. And the, the GMO corn and soybeans that we grew as cattle, this is not for humans, this is for cattle feed. All the pesticides and everything that we used to raise cows or to raise pigs or chickens for that matter, um, it was very environmentally destructive. So to protect the environment, a vegan diet is a good thing. But um, there are also chemicals that can get into our foods and can affect our health in a variety of ways. Um, one I might mention is something called BPA. And this, this was really, the health issues of it were kind of identified in a peculiar way. There's a popular soup called Progresso Soup, which is, you know, it's good soup. Um, but researchers said cans of Progresso Soup to some volunteers. And they then took urine samples and found BPA in them. And wow. that was of concern because it, it, it's what we call an endocrine disruptor. Where mm. was the BPA? It's not on the ingredients list. It was mm-hmm. in the, li- the can lining. And so, good heavens, you don't want that anymore. So you read about the study, you decide, I don't want BPA anymore. Go to the health food store and pick a can off the shelf. And you'll find vegetable soup in a can that is marked BPA-free. There's no BPA in it. So you get a handful of them. You go down to the cashier and you say, I want these cans of soup, not the other one. And then you give, give your credit card and... As you are walking out to your car and you're crumbling up a little credit card slip, the BPA that was coated in the thermal paper that mm. was used for you to sign on your credit card, that BPA coating is going through your skin, into yeah. your blood. B- BPA is widespread and it's an endocrine disruptor and it is in can liners, it is in these thermal papers. Uh, you go to an ATM so how do you avoid all this? That have that. I mean, how do you, how do you avoid well, this? Can you really avoid it? Uh, well, you, you, yeah, you can. Um, what cashiers do? I don't know if you've been in uh, the stores lately. They're wearing gloves, um, and you know the occasional slip of paper, no big deal. But if it's your job to deal with those, then you are getting significant exposure. What you can also do is say no slip. You know, I don't need the slip. Let, let them throw it in the bag and you just throw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and by the way, let me say a, a good word about Progresso. They, they're not fools. They know about this too. And so they're transitioning to BPA-free cans, just you know, like everybody mm-hmm. else is. Right. But, you know, sometimes these companies have to be pushed to do it. But yeah. the number one thing you can do if you want to avoid chemicals in your life is get away from animal products. Why? 
because the cow, the pig, the chicken, is eating GMO pesticide-treated crops. These chemicals are, are concentrating in their bodies, and then you're eating that residue. And the worst is fish. So many people think, well, fish, that's got to be healthier, isn't it? Fish happen to be carnivores. The little mm-hmm. fish that eats, eats the mercury off the ocean floor is eaten by a bigger fish who's eaten mm-hmm. by a bigger fish and a bigger fish and a bigger fish. And so once you get to a really big fish like a tuna, that's where the mercury and the other chemicals mm-hmm. are really concentrated. So mm-hmm. uh, when you go to a plant-based diet, the foods are intrinsically cleaner. And, of course, if you choose organic, that's best of all. What if they're farm-raised? What if the, the fish is farm-raised? It's the dirtiest of all. The dir- absolutely mm. the dirtiest. If they would allow you. If they would allow, if you ever go to one of these places um, and they would allow you to put on scuba gear and jump in, it's a big pen with thousands and thousands of fish in there and they throw in the food and they throw in the antibiotics because fish get sick too. And it Uh. is filthy. Um, There's a new movie out called Seaspiracy. Um, It's by the people who made Cowspiracy. But Mm -hmm. Seaspiracy has just gotten people reeling in the fishing industry mm. because they showed how, how disgusting it really is. Wow. All right. We're, uh, we're just about at the end. So I want to close on a positive note here. I'd like you to talk about foods that fight moodiness and stress, like soy joy or things that, you know, that are going to help us, particularly when we feel down and we feel so anxious. When now with everything we're going through with COVID, there's a lot of anxiety because of all the uncertainty. So what would you suggest? We've got about... Yeah. Five minutes left for foods that fight moodiness okay. and stress, and it's in your book. Sure. Um, you, we discovered this by accident. We were working with Geico Insurance, you know, the car insurance people, um, because their headquarters is about three blocks from my office. And we did a plant-based diet for people who had diabetes or had weight problems, and they worked at Geico. And as, as you can imagine, you know, they, they go vegan. They're, they're eating more healthfully. They lose weight. And we then did this study in 10 different cities that had Geico, Geico plants. So the food helped people lose weight, helped their diabetes get better and everything else. Great. We did one more thing. We looked at people's moods, how they felt. And with special standardized questionnaires, you can rate depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms. And what we found is that they were getting better week by week by week. Why would that be? Well, we thought there's two things. One is inflammation. Inflammation is your white blood cells make antibodies to attack uh, viruses and that kind of thing. And if you're eating unhealthy foods, you end up having more antibodies being produced. Um, So when you're eating uh, more healthful foods, these uh, antibodies seem to go away, the, uh, the inflammation diminishes, and the inflammation, which is affecting the brain, is reduced too. Depression is an inflammatory condition. The other thing is when people are on a diet that is filled with healthy fiber and healthy vegetables and doesn't have the greasy junk in it, the gut bacteria get more healthy. They get healthier. Um, And your gut talks to your brain. A person who's eating in an unhealthy way has unhealthy gut bacteria. They're probably constipated. They feel terrible a lot of the time. And when people eat more healthfully, their moods get better. But it got better than this. We found that depression got better. We found anxiety symptoms got better. And then when we just looked at, are you at work or not? 
job absenteeism got better with the same diet yeah. change. But the thing that I really need to emphasize, you don't need one diet for your thyroid and a different diet for your diabetes and a third diet to make your hot flashes go away. The, re- the, the real central point of, of your body in balance is that when we put some baby steps toward a diet that's loaded with vegetables and fruits and whole grains and beans, you tend to see all of these things improving simultaneously. Um, give it a try. Don't give up okay. your skepticism. All Make right. the diet. And, and how, can, you, how can people find delighted. your book? How can people find your book? Um, it's on a- your body and balance is on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and Target and everywhere. And if there's a, an actual bookstore in your neighborhood, I'm sure they would like your business too. So you'll find body, your body and balance everywhere. All right, stay in line for a minute. My guest has been Dr. Neil Barnard, Your Body and Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Thank you for always being so, um, you, you really in, enlighten us and inspire us. And, you, you know, you, you help us to see that it's not so hard. You know, and I think that's the thing, is that you work with people every day, and when people see the results, they make the changes. Great. Well, I, I hope so, and I hope people feel inspired and, and get a chance to give it a try. And most important, when they find benefits, share it with other people, because there's so many other people who need Absolutely. this information, too. All right. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Um, to find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. If you're thinking of doing a podcast, I help people put those together. If you'd like to be on my email list so that you can get my newsletter and see these wonderful guests, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. And on Facebook, it's Patricia Raskin, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Have a wonderful week. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.